Discovery. Uh, my name is Paul. Um, I'm on staff here. And uh, if you're new, if you're visiting with us, I'm so excited um, just, to just that you are here this morning. Um, I just want everyone to lean in for a second and to just uh, to hear what I have to say this morning. I want you to know uh, that when you walk through the doors here, you walked into an awesome church. You walked into a great church. See, it's not great because of the awesome band we have or because of a message uh, that you are going to hear right now, but it's great because of the people who sit to your left and the people who sit to your right and the people who sit in front of you and behind you. They're people of, of great faith. They're people who love each other well. And for that, I'm so thankful to be a part of this church. We're in our Ephesians series. It's an eight-week series, and this is week two. And this morning, we're going to be looking at Ephesians 1, uh, verses 15 through 23. And, and Paul starts out uh, saying, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. About three years ago, um, I was a passionate young man who was three years younger than the young man I am right now. Um, <laughs> And uh, I was thinking about planting a church. And so um, I started to reach out to pastors in town to see what other churches were like. And um, what I, I sat down with John. I told him I wanted to be a, char a part of a church that, that had great faith in Jesus and that, that loved each other. And he said, Paul, uh, I pastor a church who has great faith in Jesus, and I pastor a church that loves each other. He said, Paul, we believe that God has given us a mission, a mission to, to meet people where they are, both physically and spiritually in this city, and to lead them to become disciples, just people who are fully devoted to Jesus, to make other disciples, to, make, to lead other people to be disciples. He said, and when we, when we close our eyes and when we think about this and when we begin to see ourselves accomplishing this mission through the power of the Holy Spirit, what we see is a church reaching this city to change our world. He said, Paul, I want you to come be a part of it. And so this morning, even though John has been called into a new and exciting season for him and his family, I am so thankful that the people still gather here because you Make this church awesome because of your faith in Jesus and your love for each other. So thank you for being a part of Discovery. Paul goes on and um, he talks about, uh, he says he's going to pray for them. He remembers them in his prayers. And so this morning, I just want you to take a second and, and sit back in your chairs, relax. And I'm going to read this prayer over you. And as Paul prayed this for the Ephesians, I'm praying this for you this morning. So take a deep breath. If you're comfortable, uh, maybe close your eyes. Turn your palms up to the Lord, submitting to him, and, and let these words wash over you. Paul prayed that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him 
having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, that you would know what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and that you may know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And he seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Chances are, if you've been in the church for a while, that prayer meant something to you. As that washed over you, it felt powerful and it it might have felt a little bit healing and it hopefully ultimately felt worshipful. But for a lot of us in the room, that might have just kind of sounded like a little bit of spiritual mumbo jumbo and didn't really mean anything to you. So this morning, I want to unpack what Paul prayed for the Ephesians and what I prayed for you. Before we do that, I just want to give you a little bit of background uh, on the Ephesians and on who just prayed that for them. See, Paul was an ordinary man just like you and I, and he encountered Jesus and his life was changed, and he was sent on this mission across the world of it that he knew at, at, in that time, and, and he planted churches, and one of those places that he stayed for a while was Ephesus. And so Paul had uh, an affection. He cared about the people that, that he prayed for in that passage. He knew them, and he loved them. And so uh, we, we begin to dive into this scripture, and we must know that, that it is... Um, that is being prayed for you by me as someone who is so thankful and cares about you so much that that I would hope that this prayer comes true in your life. And so Paul starts off and he says that uh, he's praying that uh, God may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Let's just focus on two phrases right there, the the, uh, spirit of wisdom and revelation and and having your hearts enlightened. See, this is a prayer first and foremost for spiritual sight. If you missed last week's message, I really, really, really urge you and, and, and hope that you will go back and listen to it because Tom unpacked the first 14 verses in Ephesians and, and what we learned, what we heard was Paul writing to people that he, he knew and people that he cared about and he was revealing these big and mysterious truths to them. He was telling them about the spiritual blessings they have in Jesus. He was telling them that they are forgiven for their sins. They're redeemed by the blood of Christ. That they're chosen. They're daughters They're sons and daughters of God. They have the Holy Spirit sealed inside of them so that they can work with God, partnering with him to unite all things under Christ and eventually spend eternity with him. That was all in the first 14 verses. I can't do it justice. Go listen. And so Paul prays that you would see those truths, that you would see those blessings. But see, when Uh, he doesn't just pray that we would see it. He prays that our hearts would see it. He prays that we wouldn't just know it, but that we would feel it. But we also have to understand that the heart that Paul is talking about in the Bible is not the emotional center that we think of today. The heart in the Bible is our inner being. The heart in the Bible is our thoughts. It's our mind. It's our emotions. It's our reason and our logic. 
It's our ability to know right from wrong. It's all of that combined to become the motivation for why we live and how we live. It's the motivation center of our soul. So um, have you ever known about something, uh, but, but maybe uh, you hadn't really seen it? Um, for me, a great example of this in my life is foster care. Uh, I knew about foster care, but growing up in Davis, um, I just knew about it. I didn't know anyone. None of my friends were in the system. Um, But that all changed when I started dating my wife. See, her family has been doing foster care for 20 years. And uh, as I began to be around their family more, as I began uh, to see these kids come into their care, I began to see the foster system from a whole new perspective. It, it, it changed, fundamentally changed uh, my heart. See, I saw kids uh, like my own. I saw kids like yours. I saw kids like me and my friends who needed a place to belong, who needed a family to love them and care for them and keep them safe. See, what it did for me is it, it opened the eyes of my, my heart and it motivated me. It changed me from the inside. I could no longer see these kids and not take action. So my wife, when we got married, we became a licensed foster home. We want to foster adopt one day. And we pray that uh, God will use us to mobilize the local church, the hope of the world. That's what I believe the local church is, to meet the needs of those kids. And that's what, God start, that's what Paul starts out praying for the Ephesians, that the truths that we learned in last week in verses 1 through 14, that we're forgiven for our sins, we're redeemed by the blood, we have the power of the Holy Spirit sealed inside of us, that those truths would not just be things that we know or that we hear on a Sunday morning, but they would begin to change and transform our heart. We would feel it. We would know it. And we would begin to be able to allow the motivation center of our soul to be totally transformed and changed by the gospel. That's my prayer for you. And so Paul then continues on, and and he says, what? He he prays for them to see. But what does he pray for them to see? The first thing that he prays for them to see is uh, that they would know the hope to which he has called you. In our culture today, hope is very different than the hope that we read in the Bible. Uh, Who's a 49ers fan or a Sacramento Kings fan? You probably hope that your teams, like I do, will stop being embarrassing and move to just being mediocre. Uh, If you're crazy and and a dreamer like I am, you might hope that they win a championship. But what we should know is that um, those aren't promises. Those are just desires. uh, And that might not happen. See, the hope that Paul is talking about here, the hope that we're called to, is is a life-shaping certainty. It's a life-shaping certainty that has not happened yet, but is going to happen. The hope as Christians that we have is the anchor for our souls, as the writer in Hebrews says. But what are our souls anchored to? They're anchored to the truth and the blessings that we learned about last week. The first 14 verses tell us what our, what our hope is in. Our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is in the forgiveness of our sins through Christ, the redemption by Christ's blood, the fact that we are now sons and daughters of God. It's our hope, and I would pray 
And Paul would pray that the motivation center of your life would be completely and totally altered by the hope that we have in Jesus. He goes on, and uh, this one is maybe more spiritual mumbo-jumbo than than the rest. It might not make sense to you as you read it. It's a tongue twister for me to read. He says that he hopes that they see the riches of of his glorious inheritance in the saints. So really quickly, what's an inheritance? An inheritance is something valuable that you get, are given, when uh, someone close to you dies. And, and uh, whose inheritance is it? Uh, this is not my inheritance. It wasn't the Ephesians' inheritance. It says it's his inheritance, God's inheritance. And who is the inheritance, or what is the inheritance? The inher- inheritance is the saints, not the football team. The, the saints, the people that we learned we are, the people who are set apart for God, the chosen and the forgiven and the redeemed. We are the saints. We are God's inheritance. But what does that mean? Well, think about it. Of everything that God created, when this world passes away, of everything that God created, the mountains and the ocean, the sky and the stars and the universes and the the plants and the animals, we are God's greatest treasure. We are what God values most, you and me and us. Let that sink in for a second. See, God put skin and bone on and he came to earth. And he hung on a cross. And he died and he was risen again because you are worth that to him. You See, our worth is not in what we do. Our worth is not in uh, how much money we make or how much we know or how much we serve, but our worth is in God, in the love that God has for us, so much love that he would come to earth and die on a cross so we would be redeemed and forgiven and adopted into his family. That's Paul's prayer for the Ephesians, and it's prayer, my prayer for you that we would know our worth to God that it would transform our our heart, our motivation center. And finally, uh, Paul prays that that they would see the immeasurable greatness of his power that lives in us, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Think about that for a second. Do you believe that the same power that was able to raise Christ from the dead lives in you. Resurrection power. Do you believe that the Holy Spirit is sealed in you? See, resurrection power is the greatest power that there is. See, we can create something out of nothing, and it can be beautiful. And that's what God did when he created the worlds. But what God did when he resurrected Christ was he took death and he made it life. He started from a negative and made it a positive. Resurrection power in our lives is the power to change us. It's the power to heal us. It's the power to heal broken and hurt marriages and relationships. It's the the resurrection power that that can resurrect an addict from his addiction. It's the power that that can turn a legalist into someone who is no longer self-righteous. It's the power to, to allow us to not 
live selfishly and to love God more than we love money. It's the power to live as fully devoted followers of Jesus, as disciples. And it's the power to, to change us. It's the power to transform us. It's the power to heal us. And Paul prays that that would sink into your motivation center and that you would begin to realize that it's not about how much you can do. It's not about how hard you can work. It's about the Holy Spirit working in you, in your inner being, in your motivation center, in your heart to change the way that you live your lives. See, Paul finishes by declaring the bigness of God, the greatness of God, how, how powerful God is. And he reminds us that, that Christ is the head of the church and that we are his body. And I just, I just want to continue to point back to that, that this morning is not about me on stage. This morning is not about uh, a lead pastor or the elders. This morning is not even about you. This morning is about Jesus. And Paul finishes up this prayer for the Ephesians, and what he's saying is uh, our lives, our church, our world is pointing to God through Jesus in worship and praise. So this morning, as I prayed that prayer for you, I prayed that you would have a spiritual sight that would, that would sink into your motivation center and, and fundamentally change you, that you would see God's truth in a big, new way. I prayed that you would know the hope that comes in Jesus. I prayed that you would know your worth that we find in God. And I pray that you would know the power that lives within you that allows you to change and transform and heal. This morning, uh, oftentimes in the church, we, um, I could stay up here for another 20 minutes and continue to talk about what that means in our lives, but, but as I read this passage, what I saw was Paul praying for people. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to turn to each other. We're going to get in groups of three or more. And we're going to pray this prayer for ourselves. We're going to pray this prayer for the people in your group. We're going to pray this prayer for our church. See, as we enter into a new and exciting season, as God does a new thing among us, my prayer is that this, this prayer would take root in our lives, that our hearts would begin to see how big and how powerful Jesus is, the gospel is. And so what's going to happen is uh, the band or part of the band is going to come back up and they're actually going to play music. They're going to they're worship over us. And you and I are going to turn to each other and pray for each other. There aren't going to be lyrics. Uh, there aren't going to be lyrics on the screen. This slide is actually going to be on the screen. And uh, my hope, my uh, life-shaping certainty that is going to happen soon is that we 
We'll pray with each other. Before you feel uncomfortable, I know that you feel uncomfortable. I knew that when I decided to do this. Uh, because if I were you, I would feel uncomfortable. Uh, but, but see, what I also know is that we grow when we're uncomfortable. When we are stretched and we lean into that discomfort, that's when we grow. So this morning, will you uh, be courageous and brave and, and gather some people around you? The second thing, uh, this one's even more uncomfortable for me. Uh, I like my physical space. I don't want you to touch me, but I'm going to encourage you to hold hands because when we hold hands, we are connected and we are together. So if you are comfortable with that, if your group is doing that, will you hold hands and pray together? Third, um, there is a third. One second. That's why we have the notes. Um, If you are a prayer warrior, if you are someone who loves to pray, gather people. Gather three, four, five, six, seven people. Take them into the presence of God with you. Prayer is not everyone's gift, but it is some of yours. If you're shy, if you're outgoing, I don't care. If you love to pray, gather the people around you. Lead them in prayer this morning. If you don't know Jesus and you're thinking, oh my gosh, what did my friend just bring me to? Uh, I know you're there. I know you're there. I I didn't forget about you. Um, But what I would say to you is the closest you will ever come to Jesus before you begin to follow him is when you sit in in a circle with his people. And for us, prayer is one of the most intimate, connecting times with our God. And this morning, we are inviting you to experience that with us. So join a group. There's no pressure to pray out loud. But sit there and listen to the prayers that the people around you are praying. Reflect on it. And if God is speaking to you this morning, if he, is, if he is calling you, if you want to know the hope that we have in Jesus, if you want to know your worth in God, if you want to know the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within us, if you want to have spiritual sight that will change your heart, I will be right over by the lights in the prayer corner. Come talk to me. I'd love to have a conversation. and I'd love to pray for you. And so to wrap up this morning, before we turn to each other and pray, I just want to read the prayer over you one more time. I want you to sit back. I want you to take a deep breath with me. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to lift your hands to heaven, submitting to God, asking him to speak to you right now. I pray that God will give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation to know him having the eyes of your heart enlightened so you can see the hope to which he called you, so you can see we are God's glorious inheritance, and so you can see the immeasurable greatness of his power that is in you, the same power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. 
and the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. Amen. Will you please pray?